Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, we can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Mega Man Radio Show. It's just a pleasure to be here again with you, and I want to thank all of you for the encouragement to do this program. Shouts out to my friends, Richard of Watchman Radio, Zoe, the Beaver Brothers. Uh, God bless you for your support. Well, tonight we're going to have another great program. I'm going to be bringing on in just a moment, Benjamin Baruch. Now, for those of you who do not know who Benjamin is, you're in for a treat. Uh, Benjamin Brook is a chartered financial analyst and a certified public accountant, and he's the author of a groundbreaking work called The Day of the Lord is at Hand. Now, back in 96, the Lord spoke to Benjamin. He, at the time, he was managing money on Wall Street and spent over a year in prayer seeking guidance from God on when to exit the stock market. And then uh, shortly after Benjamin's 40th birthday, God answered. And in a series of visions and audible revelations, he was shown the future of America. And this was in 96. I believe what he was shown is ready to begin. So we're going to be talking about uh, his testimony, the, the book, The Day of the Lord, is at hand, and also a number of other topics. Uh, Benjamin is uh, very articulate. Uh, he's an expert in many arenas, and uh, we could probably do 100 shows and not cover his whole knowledge base, but we're going to jump right in tonight. So stand by while I get uh, Baruch on the line. Benjamin, are you on the line with us? Well, I'm here. Oh, thank you for coming on tonight. It's a real honor and a pleasure. Well, thank you for the invitation, Omega Man, and I'm real excited about your new show. It sounds like it's going to be awesome. I'll be looking forward you know, five, to uh, tuning in. Five years in the making, and uh, just recently God opened the door finally to uh, allow me to pull it off, so I'm pr- praising God. Well, we have uh, people listening in from all over the world. 
And so what I'd like to do, Benjamin, is uh, just start by having you give out your website. Uh, for those that are listening would like to uh, follow along on the Internet, uh, how can people get information about uh, you and your ministry? Well, the website is benjaminbaruch.com or thedayofthelordisathand.com. And uh, they can find some information about uh, the message of my book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, which is really a commentary on the last day's prophecies um, from the perspective of the church in the United States and the church in the Western world. Um, it, it's, the book is a summary of the prophecies, the scriptures that the Lord opened up unto me um, related to really the instructions for this hour for the believer in the last days that's going to walk through these times and what the scripture tells us we must do to survive and to endure until the end and until the time when we see the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens and the glorious day dawns when the Lord comes and brings his kingdom and Hallelujah, that is what this is all about. You know, we can get caught up in the, in the news. We can be caught up in the, in the emotion of the seas that are roaring. You know, the, the scripture says that men's hearts will fail them for fear, and the seas will begin to roar, and the sea is a picture of humanity, and humanity is going to begin to cry out because they are going to be confronted with crisis upon crisis. Everywhere they look, they'll find nothing but darkness because the kingdom of man, which is really the kingdom of Satan, since man chose to disobey the Lord God Almighty, chose to join the forces of darkness in rebellion against the kingdom of God. This kingdom of darkness is coming to an end. The day of the Lord is the day he's going to bring his deliverance and his salvation to his people the anointed remnant that wait for him and that are walking steadfast with him, and he's going to bring his judgment, and he is going to demonstrate his justice. And so it is an awesome day. It is a, it is a good day for the believer that is found in Jesus Christ. The Lord told us when these things begin to come to pass, when you see these things coming to pass, don't be afraid and don't be downcast. Rather, lift up your heads. For your redemption draws nigh. But for the world, for those who have no faith, for those who are perishing, it is indeed a day of darkness and gloom, and the nations shall indeed be driven to darkness. Amen to that. I, I believe it's a wake-up call for everyone oh, to yeah. uh, look at the signs. I mean, they're all around us, like in Matthew 24. Earthquakes and rumors of war, you know, earthquakes in diverse places, um, you know, we can see all these signs happening around us. I mean, I've seen some literally with my own eyes and felt them. I spent some time overseas, and, uh, you know, back uh, a few months ago when it seemed like an earthquake was happening every week, you know, Haiti, Chile, um, that really it was like a smack in my face. I said, my God, uh, I believe it's on us. I mean, I, I felt a quake myself, and, you know, we've got volcanoes uh, going active around the world. Uh, you talk about uh, men's hearts failing them for the fear of what's coming. Well, I believe we're seeing that too. And uh, I know that uh, with the economic crises that's going on, 
you know, some have even uh, taken their own lives and jumped out of windows. I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, going back in time to 19, uh, was it was it 29 when the Wall Street market collapse happened for the first time? Right. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just chaos everywhere. But uh, the good news in all of it is that uh, there is salvation in Jesus Christ. And for the believer, you know, it means that uh, the return of the Lord is soon. And for the unbeliever, it's... Uh, it's a warning to them to, you know, get their house in order and seek Jesus. Well, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, and I'm looking forward to this show. And for those uh, tuning in, uh, the second hour, we're going to open up the lines so that you can uh, call Benjamin if you have a question. And let me go ahead and give out that call-in number. Uh, the number for tonight's show is going to be area code 1-917-889-2745. And when you dial that, uh, hit 1, and that will put you in the queue uh, to ask questions for our guest tonight. And uh, please uh, spread the word about uh, Mega Man Radio. We're going to have a a great program tonight, and if, uh, if you know anybody that uh, you can get to tune in, alert them. Okay, well, Benjamin, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on uh, at present uh, with the Gulf spill. I know you've got some unique insight into that. Uh, what's really happening there? Well, I, I do have some unique insight. The Lord has provided me an amazing number of contacts in a variety of uh, dimensions of society. I, God opens the doors. I, there is no other explanation for how I meet or get introduced to or have access to some of the highest level people in various parts of either the government, the military, or the, the corporate sectors. And so it just, in similar fashion, the Lord has opened a door for me to um, get to know uh, one of the leading scientists, uh, one of the, the nation's experts, if you will, uh, in the science space. And this gentleman was actually flown to Washington, D.C. for a several-day briefing um, at the Naval uh, Research Center in Washington, meeting with the Naval Scientific Team and several top uh, military officials in the U.S. Navy to discuss in detail what exactly is happening with the oil spill in the Gulf and what can be done about it. And he gave me a briefing yesterday. Now, um, some of this is not in the public domain, so some of what I'm going to share with you, you're not going to be able to Google and verify it uh, just yet. It'll probably all end up in the public news at some point this summer or shortly thereafter, but here is an executive summary of what I was told. This spill, if you will, is not a single event. It's not just a spill related to this oil well. This, this blowout, which is really technically what's happened in the Gulf, it's not a spill. That's a misnomer. The well has blown out, and this well, it turns out, is actually on the major fault line that runs from the Caribbean through to Central America. This is the fault line that the Haiti earthquake was on, and this fault line is moving. The tectonic plates are moving, and as a result, it's affecting the floor of the Gulf of Mexico. The seafloor apparently is fracturing and I was told it is a scientific fact that the floor of the Gulf is fracturing which means there is more than one 
leak. And more than one oil platform is leaking. And this seafloor is apparently very brittle. Further, this reservoir that is under the floor of the Gulf has such high gas pressures that the pressures are estimated in excess of 100,000 pounds per square inch, which these are tremendous forces inside this underground oil cavity. The only way this well, this leak, which is actually multiple leaks along the ocean floor, and Matthew Simmons made comments to this effect on the national media, although he was derided by uh, many. Matthew Simmons, <coughs> excuse me, for our listeners, if you don't know, Matthew Simmons is the uh, principal of one of the nation's number one investment banking firms with a specialization in the energy business. Matthew Simmons has been in the energy field for 40 years. Uh, he's a man who I have followed for more than a decade. He's written several books, one of which is called Twilight in the Desert. It's the, a summary of the Saudi Arabian and Middle Eastern oil uh, industry and what's happening relative to global oil production. It's a fascinating book, but Matthew Simmons is a brilliant expert in the energy space. He went on the television and on the news and, and announced that the seafloor was in fact fracturing, that the casing had been blown out of the well, which means that the pipe that's been inserted into the ground has literally been ejected. What you've got wow. is an open hole, and you've got fractures in the floor of the Gulf where oil's coming up in multiple locations. So, there, you know, there is no way to cap this. You know, they're not going to be able to stop this leak by putting a cap on. My sources told me the only way for this to be stopped is to collapse the well area. And there are technologies that are being considered which would basically cause a cave-in in an attempt to, in effect, bury the well and stop the oil flow. Benjamin, it's kind of hard to to separate uh, facts from uh, rumor, with uh, you know the fact that uh, BP, I'm told, uh, is working with the Coast Guard, and they will actually arrest people if they try to get on the beach uh, with video cameras. And you know, oh, yeah. we've just got uh, what the you know the big uh, three networks are pumping out. But uh, what do you think actually caused this uh, explosion? Well, you know, I know the official story is a methane gas bubble that literally came uh, through the well pipes and, and literally exploded at the platform level and ignited, um, caused the, uh, the disaster. I don't know the official facts. That's certainly the official story. There are rumors that perhaps there was more nefarious uh, you know, sources that were involved. I'm not, I don't have any information to confirm either way. But regardless of how they started it, this is like Pandora's box because this is far worse than anything that's being communicated in the press. This problem could grow exponentially. And the, the fracturing of the floor of the gulf along the tectonic plate is part of a general destabilization of the earth that we've been witnessing for the last several years that is actually being driven by forces external to the solar system. There are two forces that are emanating from distant space that are actually affecting our sun, our planet, and every planet in the solar system, one of which is a neutron star 
that is located in the vicinity of the Orion constellation that is emitting uh, cosmic and gamma radiation, which is affecting every planet in our solar system. In and I am not an astrophysicist, so I know I have a limited understanding of the science involved. But my understanding is that there's a, a coupling effect, if you will. It's almost like uh, when you develop a static electrical shock as a result of walking across carpet, and you reach out to touch uh, the doorknob and you get that electrical shock, that was a coupling of effect where electrical energy was transmitted from your body to the doorknob. Well, there's a coupling effect that can occur with cosmic radiation and with gamma radiation and with electrical gravitational forces over very, very long distances in space. Those effects are now being observed uh, between this neutron star, which is approximately 1,300 light years from our planet, and apparently there's also a brown dwarf that is in some form of orbit with our sun that's going to approach perihelion sometime in the next couple of years that's also affecting us with electrogravitational forces, the combination of which are causing our sun to destabilize. It's changing the nature of the sun in, in a number of ways. The heliosphere is expanding. The amount of radiation coming out of the sun the type of uh, coronal mass ejections, the amount of uh, particulate matter being projected out of the sun is increasing dramatically. This has been going on for a number of years. Our government is well aware of this, as are all of the other governments on the planet. It's the reason we've put in place something like 40 different monitoring satellites for the sole purpose of monitoring the sun from various perspectives. And... You know, you can go search that out. There's about 40 satellites up there that are watching the sun. And the reason is the sun is the number one factor driving Earth changes today. You know, our government is not merely interested in doing some science research. They are watching the sun because it is changing and it's driving the Earth changes. One of the effects is it's causing the magnetic sphere, which is a shield around our planet, to weaken and develop gaps, if you will. And there are literal holes developing in the magnetic sphere. It's a result of these cosmic and gamma radiation forces actually affecting our planet, entering through the north and south pole, and actually increasing the temperature of the core of the Earth. As the temperature of the core is rising, the magnetic field generated by the spinning core is weakening, making us susceptible to even greater levels of uh, external uh, radiation forces, and the combination of which is it's destabilizing the mantle and the crust of the Earth. That's what's causing all of this destabilization, driving the earthquakes, the volcanoes. And I was told this oil leak could have developed even without BP drilling that well, that the stress on the tectonic plates from Haiti to Guatemala that runs right through the Gulf is so extreme that the floor of the Gulf would be fracturing anyway. BP was wow. in the wrong place at the wrong time. So it's really almost coincidental. I mean, uh, what, we're, what I'm hearing here is that uh, yeah. it was probably going to happen sooner or later. That's what uh, the, the science focus... I talked to said, that they thought BP was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. The floor of the Gulf could have fractured without this well, and we could still have this disaster occurring. But, you know, that's an interesting theoretical footnote BP did drill the well, 
the ground or the floor of the Gulf is fracturing, and you know the most significant part of which is this is occurring along the tectonic plate. Now, apparently, there's another major earthquake fault that runs right from the area in the Gulf where the spill has occurred, runs all the way up the Mississippi, all the way into Canada. And we've recently had an earthquake in Ontario at the leading edge of that fault line. So that entire fault system is now activated. And, yeah, this is huge. Uh, What is now occurring is much, much worse than anything anybody is reporting. It is well beyond a leak. It's tied to the tectonic plates, and the seafloor itself is actually collapsing in, in several parts or several areas in the Gulf. We could be now, looking at a spill, ultimately, in the hundreds of billions of barrels. Good God. whole thing lets go. It could be hundreds of billions of barrels, which would have the effect of killing the oceans. And if the oceans die, well, you know, then you are with absolute certainty in the time period of the book of Revelation, because the the oceans are forecasted to die in the book of Revelation. But once the oceans die, that will affect rainfall and food production on the planet, and that's basically the end of the story. I'm hearing some people even say that uh, they believe this could be Revelation 8.8 being fulfilled or a foreshadow of that. Um, the burning is there mountain. any truth to the? Yes, you know. Uh, yeah, it third was of the, really it's fascinating, isn't it? How that platform did look like a mountain burning and then falling into the sea. So perhaps it is Revelation eight eight fulfilled. Well, you know, we've got uh, the initial uh, explosion. Uh, I'm hearing that uh, on the average, every couple of days, we've got the equivalent of an Exxon Valdez spill happening, and uh, they're talking, you know, outside of maybe the nuclear option to detonate that and you cause the uh, thing to implode on itself with no guarantee that that would even work, that uh, right. it might be too much at the soonest before they could uh, see, any, see any improvement in stopping some of that flow. But uh, here's my concern. Uh, I've also heard reports that in addition to this uh, oil coming out that uh, we've got a couple other things like uh, methane and benzene. Now, is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, the oil is bad enough, but it's actually the toxic chemicals that are being spilled into the Gulf and or literally dispersed into the Gulf uh, in order to try to break up the oil spill. You know, the BP is using something called Corexit 9500, which is like many, many times more toxic and cancerous than the toxic chemicals in the oil itself. And benzene uh, is a chemical that's found in oil deposits. There's benzene in your gasoline, in your car. It's 1% benzene. Benzene is found naturally in oil. Benzene is a nerve gas. Benzene is a cancer-causing toxic substance. If you breathe benzene over time, you will do. You will develop potentially cancer, and you also will begin to develop the symptoms of uh, brain damage from exposure to nerve gas agents. So this is no joke what these chemicals are. And there's the, the methane is also very, very harmful to the sea life and also very, very harmful to human beings. And there's a host of other nasty chemicals. I can't remember all the names, but these chemicals um, can become airborne. Benzene in particular 
will uh, vaporize. It'll it'll change from the liquid state in, mixed in with the oil and the salt water. It'll change into a gaseous form at relatively low temperatures, temperatures that the Gulf will achieve this summer. So massive amounts of these toxic chemicals are going to be evaporating out of the Gulf, and then they're going to be coming right back down as acid rain over the southeastern United States. And I asked these scientists, how far will the acid rain go? And they said, well, there's no way to predict with certainty. It's a function of weather patterns and the environment. But acid rain could get all the way up the east coast in some concentrations. Obviously, it's going to be far more concentrated down in the southeast. I was watching on the Internet, there was a YouTube video, I'm sure a lot of our listeners saw it, where a guy was filming the petroleum substances that were puddling up as a result of the rain in his area in the southeastern U.S. And he was basically filming that it's raining oil or some petroleum substance. What it was most likely raining is some of these toxic chemicals mixed in with some petroleum byproducts. The amazing thing is in the video, the guy was walking around in his bare feet in absolutely toxic pollution, which um, is not the smartest thing to do. He probably should have had a hazmat suit on. Instead, he was walking around in his bare feet. But there, there is no doubt that the uh, toxic or the deadly winds, the ill winds that some people have forecasted, uh, is a byproduct of this spill and the Gulf area. You know, scores of people are already reporting that they're getting sick, they're getting nauseous, and um, we may likely see this worsening to the point where people are actually dying as a result of the toxic air pollution, as a result of this spill, because this thing's cumulative. I mean, you're correct. The the amount of oil being spilled into the Gulf, at first it was 1,000 barrels a day, and then, it, you know, that was a joke, and then they admitted to 5,000. Well, they're they're going to be subject to a federal penalty and fine based on the per-barrel spill quantity. So BP is motivated to understate the amount of oil that's being released into the Gulf. Uh, recently, I think they've talked about recovering tens of thousands of barrels of oil as a result of their recovery operations. So that tells you that they're spilling a lot more than 5,000. The estimates I've heard, Omega Man, are that up to 100 thousand barrels a day are being leaked into the Gulf, which would be 4.2 million gallons, which is the equivalent of an Exxon Valdez spill every two and a half days. So at this good point, grief, at though. that rate, yeah, good grief's right. At this point, we would have something in the magnitude of 250 million gallons already released. And then I don't know the quantity of how much of this corrects at 9,500 is being dropped into the Gulf to disperse the oil. But it's massive amounts as well. So, you know, the Gulf of Mexico is being destroyed. Uh, it's the breeding ground for the big fin tuna from the Atlantic. So we're going to lose the tuna. And, you know, if this continues, this toxic pollution, the methane gas, which is, causes a dead zone where there's a complete oxygen depletion of the uh, oceanic environment that's going to literally kill all life forms in those areas, this entire mess can literally fill the Atlantic in the next 12 months. And it won't be long, another year or two, but if we dump enough of these poisons into the water system, we'll kill the Pacific as well. Benjamin, let's break it down. Okay, so um, this 
oil catastrophe is dumping uh, millions and millions and millions of barrels into the water. It's poisoning the wildlife. Uh, the president has halted uh, offshore drilling operations. I think that's probably going to result in a increase in the uh, gasoline at the pump over time. We've right. got uh, methane coming out, which I'm told is very flammable, and God forbid that got uh, ignited. That would cause a firestorm. Then we've got benzene, which uh, is clearly toxic. It's cancerous. I did a little bit of research on that, and you're right. Uh, in certain parts, I mean, it will kill you, other than a doornail. And uh, here's what I'm worried about. We've entered into uh, hurricane season again. Right. Now, I don't know of a hurricane season that hasn't uh, hit us pretty hard in the past, so why should this be any differently? And, you know, except for the mercy of God, what happens if we have another uh, Katrina-style hurricane? Uh, wouldn't it make sense uh, that it, it could push all these chemicals right onto the shore and right up the coast into communities? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and, and as a result, it'll contaminate the groundwater tables. It'll contaminate the topsoil. It could literally kill everything in the affected areas. And a major hurricane will literally whip all of this oil and all these related toxic chemicals. It'll pick them up and it'll throw them on the land. And it'll We're getting reports that the... Disaster. The reports are coming in that the government is uh, closely monitoring the benzene levels, and uh, when it gets to a, a certain threshold, they're going to be implementing uh, what's being called Operation Swift Fox, which would be the forced relocation of uh, people from the coast up into the northern and western regions of America. I mean, it sounds like uh, Katrina being played all over again. Well, except on a scale of a thousand times as big, and... Yeah, I've heard those reports that there, you know, there's certainly a consideration that if these toxic air levels get worse, if, you know, the air starts killing people in the Gulf area, there's going to be no choice but to evacuate people because the alternative is we, people start dying. And well, now, if we learned any lessons from uh, the Katrina disaster, uh, the, the smart and prudent people got out when they fall, saw the first sign of danger. Exactly. Uh, Leave early. I can tell you, I do not want to be in the line that went into the Superdome. Uh, and no. A, and uh, no. those you guys went in. don't want to be in the line that's waiting for them to provide you water either because you're going to be in for a long wait. God have yeah, mercy it's real, on us. It's a real, uh, and, you know, you, you said but for the mercy of God. I mean, the things people need to realize, most of our listeners probably understand this, this is the judgment of God. Oh, boy. On this nation. I was afraid you would say that. Uh, God God Almighty is, uh, I believe, is judging America. And uh, no if that is the case, then we're in some serious trouble here in America. Uh, you know, we haven't even looked at the, um, you know, the, the financial costs going to have on tourism. I mean, uh, can we expect to have any uh, pristine beaches left after it's all well, said and done, it, or is it? The financial cost is going to be devastating because if you have to evacuate the Gulf region, that's about 15% of the country. So you're talking about 15% of the nation's real estate and their businesses all being basically rendered worthless or unusable. You know, the tourism trade and the, the fishing industry have completely collapsed 
You know, there's nobody's going to the Gulf for a uh, for vacation. People have stopped eating seafood. Even if the seafood's not contaminated, how many people are willing to risk it? So any kind of seafood coming out of the Gulf, people don't even want it today for good reason. So, yeah, it's a devastating blow to the economy. And the economy was already going through the process of slipping into a depression. You know, we've, um, we've entered into a period of economic collapse. The government has attempted to delay the inevitable by printing trillions of dollars. And so we've, we've increased the national debt by several trillion dollars in the last two years to try to forestall the economic collapse of the country. And we did buy some time, and now the hole's several million bigger. Now, the problem with the economy is we've been living beyond our means for 40 years at every level. The federal government, the states, the cities, the pensions, the corporations, and even the middle class of America, a significant number of people have been living beyond their means, and they've been using credit to substitute for income, borrowing to consume and to, for the living standard of today with the plans of making the payments tomorrow. Well, tomorrow has finally come, and guess what? The cash flow is not there to service the debt, so people are going into default, and as a result, the economy is unraveling. And this thing is such a house of cards, it's built on so much leverage that it's going to be a total collapse. And, you know, the government, Obama and, the, and his team have decided, well, they'll just, they're just going to print money, and that'll fix the problem. But all they're going to really succeed in doing is, is reducing or destroying the value of the dollar, which will wipe out the savings of the entire American middle class. So, you know, it'll be a world of guaranteed economic equality. You know, they, these left, uh, the, the socialists and, the, uh, you know, these progressive uh, liberal radicals that are directing American economic policy today want to ensure a level playing field. They want to have what they call social justice and the equal opportunity for everyone to be in poverty together. So then that's the end game here, that the, you know, the dollar will be devalued. The U.S. current level of indebtedness is so huge, and you know, we're fighting the problem by pouring gasoline on the fire we can't service these debts. The U.S. government is borrowing trillions and trillions of dollars. And at some point, they're not going to be able to hide the insolvency of America from the international capital markets. U.S. interest rates will have to rise, and that will bury the federal government because, you know, right now they've got $13 trillion. You know, by next year it will be $14 trillion of uh, debt that's actual outstanding debt. If interest rates rise from zero percent today to five percent it'll be close to almost a trillion dollars in debt service and then interest rates are not going to stop at five they could easily make their way to almost you know high single digits perhaps even double digits again we saw that in the late 70s and early 80s u.s government interest rates were 10 to 15 percent well at 10 percent the debt service on the u.s debt is 1.5 trillion well, our federal budget is $3.6 trillion, so just the debt service will, will overwhelm the federal budget, and the entire country will basically move into a default. And Benjamin, so I, uh, I have a the major opinion. Judgment 
I have the opinion that uh, the government has one goal, and that is to make everybody equal, equally poor. Right. And uh, if the if we look at the book of Revelations, it, it talks about a one-world economic system under the beast government. For that to be brought about, it's not going to happen when everything's going great. I believe that uh, this is part of a plan, a contrived chaos plan to uh, crash the economies of the world and usher us into this uh, one-world economic unit. I mean, uh, well, the, no the word, the phrase, New World Order, you know, that was uh, uh, not heard very much until, you know, uh, Bush Sr. made that famous speech about the thousand points of light. And then, you know, you would, you would hear it repeated every once in a while. But now, I mean, like all these world leaders are talking about uh, the New World Order. They all want this uh, right. one-world currency. Um, how close are we to that? I mean, uh, some people say, well, order. yeah, some are saying, you know, um, things We're are going to rebound uh, we two years two out. two years. We're two years from the New World Order. The New World Order will be here. This is my opinion. Okay, to, for our listeners, this is not a prophecy. This is just my opinion based on my analysis of all the data that I've seen. Um, I would project that the New World Order will come to power in the fall of 2012 which means the United States will be eliminated as a superpower in the next, what are we talking about? It's uh, now June, so uh, in the next 26 to 28 months, the United States will fall completely. Wow. So uh, what you're saying is uh, we haven't hit rock bottom. We've still got uh, we haven't some ways to, to go. Yeah. We, we merely stumbled. We haven't even seen the fall. No, the fall will be breathtaking. If you're some have called believer, this a depression. It's beyond a depression. It's the destruction of the American economy. It's beyond a depression. It will be a destruction. You know, a depression, we hear some uh, talk about like an interim currency, uh, like the Amero. Uh, do you believe there'll be some stopgap, or do you think it could just be uh, we'll wake up one day and they've made a decision to phase the dollar out? Well, you know, and there's bring a, a, lot a, of a world ways, currency. But, uh, there are several uh, steps that this could follow. I don't know that that's that you can forecast that without knowing exactly what they've got planned. There could be an interim uh, Amero, but I kind of doubt it. I, I think it, what's more likely is we're going to wake up one morning, uh, probably later this year, you know, probably sometime October, November. They, you know, the world loves to have its financial crisis in the fall. And this fall, we will wake up to a crisis in the U.S. dollar and a crisis in the bond market where U.S. bonds are being dumped overseas, the U.S. dollar is collapsing, and as a result, the cost of importing oil and other necessary goods into the United States will explode. We could see, you know, six, seven, eight dollar gasoline by the end of the year, and we could see a dramatic acceleration of inflation. And U.S. interest rates begin to jump in response to a global dollar crisis. Well, if interest rates jump, the stock market crashes, what's left of the housing market crashes, the commercial property markets crash, and the banking system crashes. But there's one difference. This time, the federal government will not be able to print more dollars to fix the problem because the source of the problem will be too many printed dollars. So they will actually have to go the other direction, which is 
They'll have to rein in spending. They'll have to adopt some type of economic recovery plan for the country designed to stabilize and, and preserve what's left of the value of the dollar. I think we're looking at something along the lines of a 50 to an 80 percent devaluation, at which point the federal government will implement a recovery plan that will raise U.S. interest rates. They will cut entitlement spending. They're going to cut benefits. They're going to have to reduce the outlays in order to try to stabilize the value of the dollar. That will throw us into the deepest depressionary hole that the world has ever seen. It's going to be simply unbelievable because you're going to have a jump in the price of food and energy that will put the majority of the families in America are going to be in poverty within six months. And their house will have lost another 30 to 50% in value. Their retirement portfolio will be annihilated. Their savings account will be decimated by the dollar devaluation. You know, you've saved your twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in your four hundred one k. You left it in the stock market like a good boy. You did what you were told. Believed in the long term of Babylon. Guess what? Babylon's coming down. Your fifty thousand dollar four hundred one k is now worth twenty thousand, and it costs eight dollars to buy a gallon of gasoline and a loaf of bread's probably six or seven dollars. So the purchasing oh power of retirement account was immediately annihilated. They will freeze. The uh, cost of living uh, jumps in Social Security and all the other entitlement programs as, as a stopgap attempt to stabilize the federal deficits. And so people on Social Security, you'll still get your $2,000 a month check, but now it's going to cost you $200 to fill your car. And it's going to cost know you $500 getting... to get out of the grocery store. So, you know, we are looking at poverty, and then that's going to create political and social instability, and it is going to really be unbelievable fast. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm leading to. Um, with all this uh, happening, uh, what's going to be the reaction of the populace? Uh, they're not going to be happy, are they? No, no. The reaction will be probably a lot like Katrina. There will be uh, riots. There will be uh, mass protests like Greece. There will it will escalate into some pretty ugly situations, and then you know the iron fist of the law will come down to impose order and to protect the corporate state because we live in a corporate state. You know when when um, they passed, I think it was the uh, 16th Amendment that freed the slaves. The uh, the puppet masters behind the scenes filed lawsuits demanding emancipation for the corporations, which are legal persons. And they have, every, they have all the rights under law that you or, or any American citizen has, with the exception of they cannot vote. But they can influence elections by making corporate contributions. They simply cannot vote. But the corporations are legal persons without a soul. Corporations, actually, if you... If you study them carefully, and if you look at the research, um, a team of psychiatrists evaluated the behavior of American and Western corporations and concluded that corporations are psychotic. They are actually insane. If you measure them against sane, normal human behavior, what we've created are legal entities that are legal persons, but they're criminally insane. They're unable to maintain relationships. 
They have no care or concern for the consequence of their actions on their community or on any of the people around them. They are only motivated by bottom line profitability. They are dishonest. They lie, you know, as the day is long. And these legal entities, which are criminally insane persons, have acquired all the power. They own the media. They own the. They are the banking system. They are the major Wall Street firms, and they are owned by the Prince of the Power of the Air through his minions, through the bloodline. Right on. Uh, these right guys on. have so no wall. What we're looking at is a satanic corporate kingdom that is emerging. Let's get real about it. Uh, the New World Order, you know, which we could break down and say, uh, you know, is comprised of guys like. Uh, you know, the Committee for Foreign Relations, the Trilateral well, Commission. Sure, we all know the names. I mean, our, our listeners don't know the names. Uh, just do a little bit of research, and you'll you'll find the names of the guilty. The truth be known, though, it's not about those guys. Let's let's just go on up the chain to the very top of their chain of command, and it's none other than Satan himself. Absolutely, that pulls it's the strings. The That's right. The, the beast. beast who was and is not, but shall be in power yet again for a little while when the chains are taken off and he's removed from the abyss and he comes back to the earth with great wrath because he knows his time is short. And that's the So hour we're looking we're at waking up um, to see the reality of our money has failed. The money um, there's no jobs. Gas is $8 a gallon. Uh, you don't get around probably unless you have a 10-speed at that point. Uh, I know every time I fill up my gas tank, I just shudder. I mean, it's like for me, it's like sixty dollars every time, and I say, "Wow!" And that's still only about three dollars a gallon. Um, you know, one guy said it right. He said, "Pretty soon, you know, with, like you were talking about with all these uh, multinational corporations, they have no loyalty. You know, they're they're shutting down all the uh, Detroit manufacturers, moving all of our plants to uh, India and Mexico and uh, China. Right. Uh, today, everything you buy is is made in China." Doesn't last more than a couple months before you have to replace it. Uh, pretty pretty soon, the only jobs that are going to be left is uh, probably Walmart and McDonald's. But uh, let me take it up the the ladder a little bit. What about uh, China, who holds all the uh, the American Treasury notes? What's their reaction going to be the day the dollar is dead? How are they going to take that? Well, they're going to be the guys that kill the dollar because it'll be China, ultimately, that makes the decision to dump the, the balance of their treasury holdings, collapsing the dollar. And, you know, people say, well, China can't sell because China will suffer such losses when the dollar collapses that they can't afford to sell the dollar. Well, you know, that's pretty simplistic thinking. That is rather naive, and it's completely incorrect. The truth of the matter is China can hedge themselves by taking a short position in the U.S. futures market, shorting the U.S. Treasury bond directly. They can short the U.S. equity indexes. China can actually profit by collapsing the dollar. And now they will lose uh, their export market to the U.S., but look, the, the, in the real world, the truth is simple and in common sense terms it can be understood. It's the it's the process of deception that the enemy complicates things to try to keep people from understanding. But when you boil it all down, everything actually kind of makes sense in a relatively simplistic way. The United States lives beyond its means, and we our living standard is supported with 
oil and with products that we purchase from abroad every month, creating what they call the trade deficit. So every month we buy a bunch of stuff from China and Japan and the rest of the world, and we buy a bunch of oil from Venezuela and from the Middle East, and we can't pay for it with anything that we produce, so we ship U.S. dollars overseas. Well, the jig is up. The world has figured out we can't afford to pay those dollars. With, we can't pay back those dollar debts with anything of real value other than printing more dollars, which only devalues the value of the dollar, thus devaluing the value of the debt. So the reality is the United States can't really afford to pay for its trade imports. So are you going to continue to sell to the United States because they're your largest customer when the truth is they're insolvent, they're bankrupt, and they're never going to pay you? You're going to increase Well, the truth, the I believe, is, you know, uh, you're right. We have no gold, no silver. They took us off the standard, what, back in 74? So there's nothing backing the Federal Reserve notes. Um, I think they see us as a target of opportunity. What I mean by that is uh, what's to keep China and Russia uh, from taking the dollars that they have and buying up all the hard assets uh, well, that's what they're doing. that are on the market. That's what they're okay, doing so really, out of the dollar. But, you know, you have to you understand, think we, it, there was a strategic plan. Over the last 10 years, China acquired our manufacturing capacity. They acquired our technology. They acquired our innovation in, our, in a lot of our expertise along with a trillion of our dollars as part of this trade process that they've played out. But that process has reached its, its end. We're, we're at the end game. And China just last week agreed to let their currency float relative to the dollar, which you know, our, the brilliant leaders of, the, of our current administration have been calling for China to allow their currency to float relative to the U.S. dollar. But the reality is, in order for China to let the dollar collapse, they had to unhinge their currency. So rather than it being bullish news for the U.S., uh, the fact that China is now floating their currency relative to the dollar is actually a sign that we're much, much closer to the day of reckoning. Okay, so while uh, China, India, and Russia are buying up all the gold and silver, including their citizens, you know, and, and most Americans uh, don't even know uh, where to buy gold or silver. You know, the right. only real money, in my opinion. But uh, yet, I, I go down to the on the weekend to the the local malls, and it's just jam packed. People, you know, filling up restaurants, going to theaters, and you know, going like, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong. Uh, there's no Gulf oil spill. There's no economic collapse on site. It's just like people are asleep. And uh, I mean, are, are we? Uh, are we that well, the scripture told us they were eating and drinking until the day the flood came. Just like in the so we've got China uh, ready to uh, kill the dollar. Uh, all these countries I mentioned are buying up all the hard assets. I heard that uh, Russia purchased, uh, I don't know if it was a platinum mine uh, somewhere up in the Montana area. You know, they're buying these uh, gold, silver, platinum mines. Um, China is making the statement that. Uh, they may uh, stop releasing some of these precious metals on the market um, that go into everything, you know, to include um, catalytic converters, you know, and electronics that we, we do still build somewhat. Um, what about Russia? Um, now, I'm sure you're familiar with Dmitry Dudeman. He predicted right. before he passed away that uh, there was a time coming where there would be civil rights in America, 
And while the government was busy dealing with that, Russia would have its Spetsnaz troops uh, sabotage a nuclear power plant. So let me focus on Russia for a moment. Uh, do you think Russia is just sitting and waiting, holding its breath for the opportune time to launch like a Red Dawn-style invasion? I, I think there's no question that the United States is looking at um, World War III at some point in the future. There's no question. I mean, that's in the prophecies. The Battle of so, uh, 38. We, we still have enemies then, regardless of what they might admit to on TV, that the Cold War is over and that uh, Russia is not a threat. Uh, you know, while we're downsizing our nuclear stockpile. Yeah, we're disarming, uh, and they're, are, they're getting ready. So. And then I even That's heard that Russia leaders said, uh, you know what, we're going to take preemptive uh, measures to secure uh, our country, which means that uh, they don't wait till fired upon. They could... Uh, Fire ahead of time. <laughs> so I mean, we're in, we're in trouble. People need to wake up out there. Uh, our enemies are at the the barbarians are at the gate, as they as they have said. Um, what then do we do uh, with this warning? I know in the old days in the Bible, you know uh, Noah was warned of what was coming. He built an ark. Joseph was warned that seven years of famine was coming, so he started to store grain and corn. Um, what would God have his people to do right now? Well, the scripture says that Noah, being moved with fear, prepared an ark. And so when Noah got the report of what was going to come, he, he was afraid. And it says in the scripture today that it will be vexation of soul to even hear the report. When you finally understand what is coming to pass upon this planet, and upon this nation, it will produce vexation of soul. Then, you know, after you kind of come out of the shock that comes over most people when they realize that this fantasy world of American consumerism and, you know, American dominance forever, and, you know, we are the greatest nation and the one superpower and, and all that propaganda, when all that is kind of the cobwebs are blown out of your brain, and you see the reality of the largest debtor nation in the world, an overextended empire, total vulnerability militarily, and the fact that the country is headed for an absolute total financial cataclysm, on top of an ecological cataclysm that pretty much spells its certain and soon doom. Uh, then you begin to uh, you, you come out of the shock that, that comes over you, then you're confronted with, well, what do you do? And at that point, you've got to follow the Lord's direction for your life. There are some general principles, you know, one of which is you get out of debt if you can. Some people are in a position they can get out of debt. Others cannot. So if you can't get out of debt, then don't worry about it. And don't get out of debt, but get ready. Get your household ready for a storm is coming. Um, should you leave the city? Well, if you can. Should you leave the country? Pray about it. Should you stay on the, you know, do you, if you live on the Gulf Coast in the southeastern United States, should you stay put? You should certainly pray about it and, and get, you know, get insight from the Lord. But i got to tell you, a lot of people are going to be moving before too long because the changes that are coming upon this country are going to necessitate movements of the people. And, you know, Jesus even in the scriptures, he said, pray that your flight be not on the Sabbath. 
or in the winter. So the Lord was pretty much spelling out that most people are going to be fleeing. You know, it says that he that well, Benjamin, may run. You know, if you, you turn on the, uh, the TV and you look at some of the Christian networks, uh, I'm sure you can, the listeners can read between the lines who I'm talking about. Uh, they act as though it's business as usual. You know, they're, they're still in, you know, sow your $1,000 seed. Um, you know, don't worry about the book of Revelations because that's only for those people that are left behind. Right. Um, you know, the way I read it, that before Jesus can return, there's got to be a great falling away. Well, you can't fall away unless you were once there. It makes perfect sense to me then that uh, when persecution comes and when people finally wake up to the fact that uh, they've been lied to by uh, their leaders that uh, either uh, wouldn't tell them the truth deliberately or just uh, ignorant themselves, that they're going to wake up and say, hey, I didn't sign up for this. You you told me I was going to get out of here. I was going to have my Starbucks in hand and, you know, just get pulled right up through my sunroof in the rapture. And, And, you know, I've, I've tried to talk to people, uh, as I'm sure others have, and, you know, they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to hear about it, you know. Uh, clearly, we're going to be raptured here before all this happens, and, you know, uh, God bless America. God wouldn't let anything happen to America. You know, this is God's country, and, uh, and uh, you know, America is not even mentioned in the Bible. They, some would say, what do you have to say to that? Well, America actually is mentioned in the Bible, and in many places people just don't like what it says. So they just close their eyes and and ignore that the scripture is addressing the United States. And you know, wisdom is vindicated by our children. People are in denial. They're they're scoffing. They're mocking. They were doing the same thing in the days of Noah, and they're doing the same thing in this hour. But they're about to be swept away. You know, the, their destruction comes quickly now because this thing's about to begin. Well, let's talk about the timing. We're in the uh, summer of 2010, and we've now had the largest ecological catastrophe in the history of the world, which is an ongoing disaster pouring a million, what is it, 4.2 million gallons of crude oil a day a are day, pouring right. into the Gulf, combined with all these toxic poisons that are probably going to necessitate an evacuation of 20 to 30 million Americans later this summer and a shutdown of a portion of our country. We've got a financial system teetering on total collapse. We've got the Middle East arming and gearing for what will likely be a regional nuclear war, uh, perhaps later this year. We are facing uh, changes that are occurring in the Earth's ecosystem as a result of energies from distant space that are collapsing the magnetic sphere that are going to leave the earth totally exposed to deadly radiation and the possibility of a solar EMP event taking out the electric grid? Are you kidding Benjamin, me? Benjamin, uh, <laughs> I'm told that the... figure this out? Well, you know what? When they're standing in line at the Superdome waiting for help that will never come, maybe it'll dawn on them. I don't know. Maybe they never figure it out. But there's certainly a remnant. All right. Uh, for those that are, are tuning in, we've got uh, guest Benjamin Baruch on tonight. If you would like uh, to ask a question of Benjamin, 
Our call in number is going to be one nine one seven eight eight nine two seven four five. When you dial that, press one. Again, one nine one seven eight eight nine two seven four five. We're talking with financial expert Benjamin Brook, also author of The Day of the Lord Is at Hand. His website is benjaminbaruch.com, spelled B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-B-A-R-U-C-H.com. We're talking about the economic collapse, the Gulf oil spill, coming events, and in just a few moments, we're going to be going into uh, Benjamin's testimony, uh, the basis of which was the book that he wrote called The Day of the Lord is at Hand. Benjamin was uh, caught up in the spirit and set down in America in the concentration camps. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh, testimony that he's going to give what God showed him, which I believe is uh, what is being revealed before our very eyes. We're going to go to break for a moment. Uh, This is an opportunity to uh, refill your coffee cups, play a little bit of music here, and then we'll bring... Benjamin back on for the uh, second half of the Omega Man radio show. We're back uh, with the Omega Man Radio Show. We've got our guest, Benjamin Baruch, on the line. Benjamin, are you with us? I'm here. Excellent. Benjamin, I see the uh, switchboard lighting up. Now, we have yet to uh, delve into the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. I want to hear the full testimony. Would you like to go ahead and take a call before we do that? Yeah, sure. If people are calling in, let's get them on. Absolutely. Here we go. I'm going to patch our first caller in. Stand by. All right, you're on the Omega Man Radio Show with Benjamin Baruch. What is your question for Benjamin? 
right. Uh, we have you on the air with Benjamin Brook. Caller, can you hear us? Yeah, I can't hear anything. I can't either. Well, I guess we lost the caller. Okay. Again, if you would like to ask a question of Benjamin, the call-in number is 1917-889-2745. Okay, Benjamin, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Let's uh, delve right into uh, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. Uh, what is that uh, book all about? Tell us uh, a little bit about your testimony there. Well, the book is basically about um, the instructional prophecies that are in the Scriptures, primarily for the uh, church, the remnant church in America, as to uh, what the Word of God says that we should be looking at and we should be doing in this hour. And the book was first uh, printed in 1998, which was 12 years ago. At the time, I never thought we had 12 more years, but uh, turns out we did. And the book was actually has gone through three editions. I now have a third edition. It's been printed five times. And I believe it's a pretty powerful witness for this hour. I've probably gotten 500 letters or more from people that said uh, the book was perhaps the most powerful book they've ever read in their life, aside from the scriptures themselves. And a number of people commented that they read the book five times. And I'm not sure why. Nobody ever said I read it four or six. It was always five times. And, you know, I would encourage our uh, our listeners if, um, to either search the Scriptures yourself in this hour for what the Word of God is saying, or, or you might check out the book. I did waive the copyright on the book. People that have a copy, are, you're free to copy it. Um, you know, I can't put my my name or copyright on a word that came from the Lord. So... Um, the book is obviously out there. Uh, I think about 25,000 copies have been shipped at this point. Well, Benjamin, I have something to confess. Uh, I was, uh, back in 2002, I was really seeking the Lord. And I asked God, I said, God, uh, you know, I was raised uh, looking for a, uh, a rapture of the church that would be getting out of here before the persecution, before the tribulation period. And I said, you know, I just uh, don't feel that's... Uh, correct in my spirit. In fact, uh, my grandfather, who was a Church of God minister, he finally had a a change of heart and mind as well, and we both became clear on the fact that, uh, look, we're not getting out of here um, when the trouble starts. In fact, word's very clear. It says that Jesus doesn't come to the last trump. So uh, I said, we're in here for the long haul. And then if you know, really study the scriptures, it says that, you know, Pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things and see the sign of the Son of Man. Well, you know, it's talking about uh, being alive to see Jesus return and, you know, enduring till the end. He that endureth until the end shall be saved. And then I read, you know, the, the key to it is the patience and the faith of the saints. You know, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. It says the servant greater than the master. So I became aware of the fact that uh, we're going to see some persecution. And are we any better than the... You know, the ten disciples uh, that all died terrible deaths. I think John uh, was sent over to Patmos, right? But the point is, is, you know, they all gave their life for Christ. Uh, John the Baptist had his head cut off. And then, uh, you know, look at the millions of people who have died for their testimony all around the world. And somehow here in America, we believe that we're exempt. So I became aware of the fact that uh, 
I was going to see some persecution. And then I asked the Lord, I said, well, God, what do I do? I mean, I, I know what's coming on America. I, I knew that uh, the New World Order plot was in full gear. They were planning to uh, imprison some of us. Uh, you know, total collapse, maybe invasion from our enemies. I know that God never uh, brings judgment without a warning. And so, you know, you mentioned that uh, he gave you a warning, which we're going to go into here in a moment, back in 96. Well, I, I want to praise God, you know, that he, he's merciful enough to have given us uh, a warning in advance and not just, you know, warn us today and then the judgment falls tomorrow. So I believe it's only the mercy of God that uh, it hasn't already happened. But uh, I asked God, I said, God, what do I do? I don't want to hang around here and be rounded up. Um, I said, God, I don't want to perish because I missed your instruction. You know, if you want me to go to the camps, if you want me to lay my life down for you, I will do that. But on the other hand, if you had an escape plan for me, then I don't want to perish because I wasn't listening. So uh, after about a two-week intense prayer time, uh, I was reading the Word, and I just kept opening the King James Bible, and it just kept popping open to Revelations 18.4. You know, remove out of the midst of Babylon before I pour out my plagues. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, we're part of end-time Babylon. You know, uh, David Wilkerson, who's very respected, wrote the book, Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth, you know, 25 years ago. And he said, America is end-time Babylon. New York City, the great city of Babylon, will be nuked. And then you had uh, prophets that God sent. Dimitri Dudeman warned America that uh, judgment was coming. He even mentioned the locations that would probably be hit. We'd have uh, an invasion at our lowest point when the government was uh, dealing with internal struggles. We've got guys like uh, Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense uh, under Bush, which said, uh, you know, at the first sign of trouble, we will not hesitate to bring in foreign troops to do peacekeeping missions. You know, we've got the troops here in America. Uh, you know, we're being invaded by uh, right through our borders. We have no idea who came into the country last night or bringing what. You know, the word says that, uh, you know, they'll raise up a shout against you like caterpillars, you know. Uh, the, the point I'm making is I have no doubt in my mind that uh, we're the uh, – What's being referenced over in Revelation 18:4 about Babylon? You know, Demetri Dudeman was uh, getting ready to speak one night, and uh, he was at a prophecy conference, and he was set to go up right behind a, uh, a speaker that had just come off, and uh, was saying, you know, all these things are happening, but uh, don't worry, we're going to be just raptured out of here. And he said, God, I know that that's not the truth, but uh, how can I get up and tell the truth if I can't back it up with your word? And, you know, if it's not in the Word, then I, I'm just going to sit down and not even get up and speak. So what do you want me to do? And he said, uh, God spoke to him and said, uh, if you want to know where America is listed, go read Jeremiah 50 and 51. That's talking about America in the end times. And uh, for the listeners out there who have not read that, you need to go do that. So I did this, and uh, I said, God, what do I do? And uh, I found this website, and it had your book, Benjamin, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. And I got a hold of the material, of course, uh, you and I uh, became acquainted, and, you know, this book was written for the time that we're in right now. I have no doubt about it, and uh, I want you to share right now uh, what God revealed to you back in 96 and the, uh, you know, what preceded um, the vision that you were given of uh, what's soon to happen here in America soil. Well, so you want me to cover kind of some of the testimony of what happened? Absolutely. Start with uh, uh, what you were doing preceding okay. the uh, your 40th birthday. Okay. Well, 
1996, I was uh, running money. I was managing money on Wall Street. I was running a pension plan and a couple Christian foundations for a private company on the West Coast that I worked for. And I, I was the director of investments, so I had control of the company's retirement money. And, and um, I was having a blast. I always wanted to run money on Wall Street. And, and at the same time, I was a little nervous because uh, if you make a mistake with uh, company retirement money, uh, first of all, you can't hide the fact that you incurred losses because they count the value of the assets at the end of every day. And uh, so if you make a mistake, it's very obvious to everyone. And second, uh, a lot of the people in this company were friends of mine because I worked with them for much of my career. So um, I had my friends and, and uh, I had Christian endowment money in terms of these foundations. So I had the Lord's money and I was the steward responsible for managing it. So I, was, uh, I took that very seriously and so I prayed very diligently Lord, you know, show me the end of this matter. I, I knew at some point that a major stock market correction or a stock market crash would in- occur because I knew the economy was beginning to expand into a bubble. Um, I had no idea how big or for how long it would expand, but I knew there was a, a some point where it absolutely would have to pop. And so I began to pray in uh, early '96 because valuations on on the market at that time had reached. Uh, levels where in prior in history the market had crashed. We were at PE levels and and other technical and fundamental valuation levels similar to the 1929 stock market crash and also the 1987 crash. So, and I was looking at a market that was continuing to go up, but we were at nosebleed levels where it was also possible it would crash and. And so I began to pray, Lord, you know, show me the end of this matter. Show me when this thing's going to crash because I want to sell my stocks and get out of the way. I don't want to lose the retirement money for my company and some of my closest friends, and I don't want to lose this Christian endowment money either. And so I began to pray and ask the Lord, you know, when to sell. And I had a a board of overseers that I had to report to. I told them I was praying and and asking the Lord when we should exit the stock market. And these were guys who were believers, but men who had never personally heard from the Lord, although you know, they had reason to believe that I had heard from the Lord because of some things that had previously happened professionally where I would produced some evidence of being able to hear from God. So they thought, why not? You know, Pray and ask the Lord about the stock market. So a year, over a year went by, and I prayed every day and, and every two weeks I met with this uh, committee of overseers who were monitoring my management of the retirement plan. And I would tell them, well, I haven't heard anything from the Lord yet, and I'm content to, to keep praying, and I'll, I'll wait on the Lord, and I don't care if I have to wait 20 years. Um, I'm going to stay fully invested, and I'm believing God's going to speak to me before this market falls apart. And then I had my 40th birthday, and uh, shortly after my 40th birthday, I heard from the Lord. And the Lord answered me exactly, because I had prayed, Lord, show me the end of this matter. And and so in answering my prayer, the Lord, in fact, showed me what was going to come. Only it wasn't... Now, did you hear from him? Did you hear from him audibly? Did uh, you open the word and he spoke to you through the word? Well, it started started with the word. Uh, Somebody brought some prophecy 
to my attention de- dealing with last day's prophecies that was quite outside the conventional view and and I'd studied Bible prophecy my entire life and you know in great detail and so a friend of mine had said hey you know a lot about prophecy what do you think of this and so I read some stuff and I thought oh there's no way this is right and so I dismissed it and then I started thinking now wait a minute I've been praying for a solid year Lord show me the end of this matter I just got some really amazing uh, understanding of Bible prophecy that I rejected. Maybe what I just rejected is, in fact, the truth. I better go back and look at it again, and I better pray about it. And so I went back, and this this was actually some information written by a guy named Monty Judah, who was real vocal at the time. He was a watchman that was announcing the impending judgment of the country. And so I went back, and I started studying this stuff a little closer, and the Lord began to open my eyes that, you know, what I had dismissed as, you know, no way was this correct, that maybe I was wrong, and, you know, the consensus view. But he did prophecy. much more than that, didn't he? I'm sorry? I said he did much more than that, didn't he? He actually uh, answered you by uh, translating you into the future. Yes. Gave you a vision, as yes. it were, of what was coming on America. Yeah, that's correct. As I began, and, uh, my, as the Lord began to open my understanding, then um, He showed me the end of the matter. I was uh, I was taken to the future, and I was shown what will happen in the United States. It wasn't a vision because I stepped into the future. I was there. It wasn't a dream because I was awake. I was standing in my living room, and when the visions ended. I was back in my living room. I fell on my face. I, I literally just fell on the ground, weeping and screaming out loud, Lord, what must we do to be saved from this judgment? And, and the Lord answered audibly, and he said, I will protect that which is mine, and everything else will be destroyed. And then I, I said, Lord, I, I need to know what to do, and I can't hear from man in this hour. I must hear from you. And the Lord answered and said, Search the Scripture the detailed instructions for this hour are in the Word of God. And and I went back to this um, committee, and I I walked into one of the guys, and and I said, well, I heard from the Lord. Now, bear in mind, I've been telling these guys for a solid year that I'm praying and asking God when to sell our stocks. So I walk in this guy's office, and I say, well, I heard from the Lord. And he looks up from his desk, and he says, oh, you did? What did he say? Did he say to sell the stocks? And I, I answered, and I said, no, he didn't even mention the stock market, but I think it's safe to assume you could sell everything now because he's going to judge the United States of America. God and have mercy, Benjamin. This executive, he, he literally raised his hands and he went, whoa, whoa, let's not tell anyone about this just yet. Let's pray about this. You know, this guy was trying to protect me telling me, you know, let's not tell anyone this report. You know, people are going to think you've gone crazy, Benjamin. So let's just pray about this. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. Let's pray about this. So I didn't tell anyone else. And I just began to pray. And about a week went by, and um, once a year I had to make a presentation to the employees of this company, and I went around to their different operating offices, and I happened to be in their San Diego region giving a one-hour presentation on the performance of the retirement plan and you know, what happened with everybody's retirement savings because I was director of investments for the company. And as I'm finishing my one-hour presentation, Omega Man, I hear from the back of the room in an audible voice, 
I wish to speak to this people. And, well, that you know, gives me chills no, as you say that. I had no doubt who was talking, but I I wondered why did God say this people? I would have said these people. You know what went through my mind initially was <laughs> is that even good grammar? You know? And then I thought, well, forget that issue. It doesn't really matter because I have a feeling I'm about to get in a lot of trouble because I'm not going to say no to the Lord. So you know. Now, no one else heard this, but I heard it loud and clear, and so I, I just listen. Prayed. I know it's I, I prayed silently. I know it's painful to go into, but you know you've got uh, you've got listeners all over the world on their edge of the seat right now. Now here's a man. Uh, you know you knew God uh, from a very young age. You know you walked with the Lord. I know some of your uh, your background. You know hearing from the Lord was not uncommon to you. In fact, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You thought. You know, if I hear from the Lord, doesn't everybody? But, yeah, uh, I, is, is, that's true. I, I did hear from the Lord quite regularly when I was first saved at 14, and for about four years I heard from the Lord um, pretty much every day. Um, and when I read in the Bible, my sheep hear my voice, I thought, they sure do. I hear you just right fine. I didn't know most people don't hear the Lord. I really didn't. I thought everybody could hear the Lord. I mean, what did I know? I heard him all the time. And it said in the Bible, is people hear him, so I thought, well, of course they do. It wasn't until I tried to start telling everybody what he said in 1996 that I realized the majority of people don't hear from the Lord anymore. Because I would tell what? them, don't believe me, just go ask the Lord. Look, I'm not asking you to believe me. You're not even supposed to believe me. Now, right. if the word I'm bringing is the true word from heaven, God will provide more than two witnesses. But right better on. than that... If you're a believer, just ask the Lord. Lord, is this Benjamin guy telling the truth? Yes or no? It's that simple. But so um, anyway, back to where I was. Um, I prayed under my breath, Lord, if you wish to speak, go ahead and speak. I yield the podium to you. And so I began to share with everybody how I'd been praying for an entire year and about the stock market, and God had recently spoke to me, and this wasn't the right time or right place for me to tell everybody what God said. But if the people were Christians, they better ask the Lord themselves and find out for themselves the things that God is now saying in heaven. Because these are important things. Lord's yeah. talking judgment here, and it's not going to be a little one. But, you know, then I began to remember the things I saw when he took me from my living room to the future. What did you see? cry softly, and the crying turned into weeping, and the weeping turned into wailing. And I fulfilled the prophecy in the book of Joel, wail before the great and awesome day of the Lord, and I wailed. I screamed bloody murder, and I fell face wow. flat on this conference room table, and I screamed at the top of my lungs. Papers went flying. And at that point, I heard the Lord shout at me, Stand on your feet! So I stood up, and I noticed my right hand was raised towards heaven. It was as if I was watching at this point. I remember thinking, wow, this is really interesting. I wonder what the Lord's going to do next. And then I shouted with a loud voice, The Lord God Almighty is standing now, ready to judge the entire earth. I hit the table with my fist so hard I thought I might have broke it. Oh, and, uh, the regional VP stands up and says, uh, I think we're finished. 
And I said, <laughs> I am not finished. He had the good sense to sit down. And I gave a word of knowledge to the believers in the room. And at that point, the meeting ended. And turns out the, the human resources director for this company was in the meeting. <laughs> and he and the <laughs> VP for the San Diego region took me in the other room. And, and uh, they wanted to take me to the hospital. They thought I'd lost my if, mind. If they had been dozing over the, uh, the report of the numbers, uh, they were awake at this point, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, they were pretty awake. And, and they had had an appointment with destiny, and yeah, they didn't well, even they know didn't, when they got up that getting, day. Yeah, they didn't know that it was the Lord that wanted to speak to that people. And by the way, yes. God refers to groups of people in the singular sense, and he uses the word this people, and it is proper grammar, I later learned. But, you know, I get home from this meeting, you know, they, I finally convinced them I'm fine, I don't need to go to the hospital. And uh, I drive home, and I, I sit down on the sofa, and I say, Lord, what did you just do to my life? What just happened? And the Lord answered, and he said, they're going to fire you, but don't be afraid. You're not getting fired, you're getting delivered. So I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm getting fired, but I'm not getting fired, I'm getting delivered. And, you know, the, the next day, I had to go meet with the board of directors since I was you know, I, there was quite an uproar over the incident of this meeting, to say the least. And I was put on leave of absence, and and um, that's what, you know, gave me the time to search the Scriptures. The Lord told me, search the Scriptures. The detailed instructions for this hour are in the Word of God. And, you know, then I got fired like a week later for, for yes. warning the people of what was about to happen. And so... I had all the time in the world. I started searching the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit opened my the understanding of my mind, and I began to see everything for the first time. And that's essentially the message that's in my book, "The Day of the Lord Is at Hand," is the the proper interpretation or the modern fulfillment of all these last days prophecies that are all over the prophetic writings, from Genesis to Revelation, and. You know the and I did get fired after uh, sixty days on leave of absence. This company came back to me and said, uh, "Well, we know God's called you, and we don't want to get in the way, so we'd like your resignation." And you know, since you're a man of God and everything, we're not going to pay you any kind of severance or oh, no. you know, <laughs> forget your bonus for last year. You know, you're walking by faith now anyway. You don't really need us to pay you, do you? <laughs> Omega Man, I was I got so mad because I had I was a diligent employee. I worked extremely hard uh, professionally throughout my entire career. I went home and I said and I talked to the Lord. I said, Father, do you see what they're doing to me? And I know I was I was mad. I said, Lord, they're stealing from me. These guys, you know, they're finagling me. You know, these are Christian brothers too. Have you ever been treated that way by the body? You know, by other believers. They're usually the ones that uh, will persecute you the most. Oh, yeah. They don't keep their word, you know. They find a way to rationalize robbing you blind and all the while blessing you. You, know, you think it'll be different. someone out there that's, uh, you don't even know or is, you know, lost and, you know, unsaved and a heathen. And, uh, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be someone close, even in your own church, that will be, would stab you in the back. Uh, yeah, it's you know, how hypocritical a lot of the church well, are. Well, we're warned in this hour, you know, Micah chapter 7, you know, place no confidence in God and trust not in a friend, because this is the hour of many, many betrayals. But, so, 
so, you know, I got fired, and uh, they, the Lord ultimately put his finger on these clowns, and they, they actually paid me my bonus. It's kind of hilarious, too, because I'm complaining, Lord, look what they're doing to me. And, <laughs> and the Lord says, I want you to give, you know, $7,000 to this Christian ministry. I'm like, Lord, I just got fired. I, I don't even have much money. Now you want me to give away all my money? I'm not even getting a severance. I want you to give now. I'm like, okay, Lord, fine. I'll give away all my money, whatever. Talk about stepping out in faith. Wow. And uh, Omega Man, I kid you not, while I'm writing the check, the phone rings, and it's this company, and they're apologizing all over themselves. We are so sorry. We're going to give you your bonus, and you're going to get your, we're going to give you a full severance, and we've added it all up, and it comes to $70,000. And I was writing a check for seven thousand. That was tenfold. It was praise God. God was asking for the ten percent tithe before He gave me the paycheck. He wanted me to tithe before I got paid, and so I did. Well, let me ask you. Immediately got paid as soon as I was writing out the tithe. But you know, at that point, um, I was fired, and so I started just searching the scriptures and writing letters, and I was desperate to communicate with people what I was finding in the scripture because the Lord was opening up my understanding to all these prophecies and believe me it was very different than what you saw or heard from your pastor or what you read in all those books that you bought over the years from all those supposed teachers who've been trying to teach you the true interpretation of a book that was closed and sealed until the time of the end so the consensus view of Bible prophecy is wrong it's totally wrong throw it in the trash, and start over with the Bible, which is what I did. And so I started writing letters, and I started trying to you know, talk to people, and somebody said to me, Benjamin, maybe you should write a book. And I thought, wow, okay, I'll pray about it. And so I prayed about it, and I thought, yeah, the Lord said write a book. So here I am unemployed, and so I sit down on my computer, and I think, I don't even know how to write a book. I don't even have a title. And so I look at my Bible, and it's open to Isaiah 13, and I look at verse 6, the day of the Lord is at hand. And I think, well, that'll work for the title. So I typed the title page. Then I thought, I don't even know where to start. You know, I mean, this is so huge. There is so much to tell about the fulfillment of the return of Jesus Christ. What do you say? And so I said, Lord, I don't even know where to start. What, what should I say? What do I tell them? Tell them this. Tell them, take heed, no man deceive you. I thought, okay, that's got to be chapter one. So I wrote, take heed, no man deceive you, chapter one. And then I wrote a paragraph. And then I, I hit another you know, brick wall, dead end. I didn't know where to go next. So I said, Lord, now what do I say? Tell them about the fig tree. Okay. I wrote a paragraph about the fig tree. Well, now what do I say? Tell them the church in America has been deceived. Oh, okay. So I wrote a paragraph about that. And Omega Man, that is literally how this book got done. I would sit there and just ask the Lord, now what do I tell him? Tell him this, tell him that. And uh, there's wow. quite a bit in the book that I did not understand until I typed the book. I mean, I got to the section on the 70 weeks prophecy, which, you know, I've studied these things in great detail. Okay, I'm a financial analyst. I'm an ex-intelligence analyst. I am an excellent student. You know, you're talking about somebody who cracked the books their entire life, and I've cracked a lot of books, and... I mean, at one point, I think I read almost everything written on Bible prophecy. And by the mid-'80s, I, you know, the Lord started to speak to me about prophecy. And 
his answers were different than all the stuff I was reading in the books written by men. So I stopped reading the books written by all the men, and I focused on the books written by the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Revelation. But I still never put it together until the Lord opened my eyes and opened my understanding. And so I'm sitting here, and I finally got to Daniel's 70 weeks, and I said, Lord, I have to write about the 70 weeks. I would really like to put the right answer in this book, and I don't know what it is. And the Lord opened my understanding to the answer, and I, I was absolutely amazed as I typed about the 70 weeks. And, and that's essentially the book. I mean, there's stuff in this book that I learned from reading the book. And there's things in that it I didn't amazing. see until I read the book more than once. And I typed the book. And typed it would be really more accurate than anything because, I mean, the way the book got done was in prayer. I would type from anywhere from 16 to 18 to 22 hours a day. I typed the book over a period of seven weeks. And there would be times where I would only get an hour or two hours of sleep. I would have gone to bed at midnight having worked all day. The Lord would wake me up at 2 in the morning. Get up. You have to work. I was so tired on more than one occasion <laughs> that I could not hardly get out of bed. And I would, I would cry out, Lord, I am so tired. Can't I sleep a little longer? And the Lord would say, no, you have to work. Pray, and I'll strengthen you. And so I could barely lift my hands. But I'd lift my hands above my head, and I'd say, Father, in Jesus' name. And a tidal wave of the anointing would come upon me. Praise and I'd God. jump out of bed feeling fine, I was, you know, fully energized, full of the Holy Spirit. Two in the morning, I'd sit down, I'd start typing, and I'd type until midnight the next night. And I would type until the anointing would lift, and then I would stop. And I had a big wall map of the world in my office. When the anointing would lift, I would stand up and I would pray over the various nations until the anointing would return, and then I would sit down and I would type. And when the anointing would lift, I would stand and I would pray. And when the anointing returned, I sat and typed. And that's all I did around the clock for 49 straight days. Benjamin, by the end you've of that got listeners. Days, Man, <laughs> I was so full of faith. All I had yes. in me was the Word. It was simply amazing. But that's how this book came forth. And it was you have listeners prayer. all over the world on the edge of the seat. Here's the million-dollar question. What did you see? What is coming taken, on America? I was taken into the death camps. And oh I God, have mercy! Families separated. I saw children torn from their mother's arms. I saw wives torn from the side of their young husbands. I saw families weeping. I I experienced a level of heartbreak that was more intense than anything I could imagine could exist on the planet. And it was so powerful; it pierced to the very core of your being, and it hurt so bad, it began to feel good because it produced a repentance from the depths of your soul that actually brought holiness and a peace upon the believers. But I saw the, I saw the church. I saw the church. In the, in the death camps? In the death camps. Benjamin, was it like uh, you might see in the, the movies on World War II, it was like yeah. Auschwitz, Auschwitz style? It was worse than Schindler's List. 
God have mercy. What happened to the families that would go in together? Would they stay together, or what would happen to them? No, no, the children were always taken. I I went through the induction process Uh where they were separating the families, and I I got to experience. I was there. I, I lived it. Were anybody uh, was anybody allowed to escape? What were they asking people no. on the lines? No, the the children were taken from the parents. The wives were taken from the husbands. That it was uh, it was unbelievable. Were they being offered the mark of the beast? No. No, nobody. There was n- no, not not what I saw. No. So it was one way in. There was no coming out at that point. There was no coming. Well, you came out with a new body. You came out of heaven. But you know what? The people came out glowing. I mean, it brought the people to the end of themselves and to a point of total repentance. And you know how God said he chose us in the furnace of affliction? Well, this is the furnace on high. This is the Lord using a blowtorch and an iron brush to clean the hearts of his people. And, you know, I've I've had the, the privilege of preaching and teaching the Word of God for the last 12 years all over this country and, and at times around the world. And I've told the people, the Scripture commands us to fast and pray in this hour. You know, but there's not too many that are praying, and even fewer are fasting. The Scripture commands us to fast and pray, which is a form of bringing judgment on your own life in order to break through to true repentance. But if, if we won't clean up, the Lord has called us to the wedding feast, and every one of us must put on a robe of white. And if we're still holding on to our sin, and the problem is that, you know, whoever sins is a slave to sin, and once you make the decision to hold on to some sin, suddenly, you know, you begin to figure out that the sin's holding on to you. You know, it's like doing drugs, and later you find out the drugs are doing you. The alcohol's doing you. The adultery is doing you. The lying and the stealing and the cheating and, you know, all of these sins, they become bondages. And these kind cannot be broken without prayer and fasting. So, yes. you know, without the prayer and fasting, people can't be set free from this stuff. And so if you're going to go to the wedding feast, you've got to be cleansed and you've got to put on a robe of white. So um, you can't get there in your sin so the Lord has prepared what I call the Repentance Rehabilitation Workshop, which is the death camps of the beast, where much of the church will go and go through a cleansing process where they come out clean. You know, you're so true what you say. You know, God's not going to let uh, people get into heaven with sin. No. Either we judge ourselves now. Purge it out of you. He will purge it yes. out of you, and that's why the Lord has appointed tribulation. I mean, Jesus said, "In the world you shall have tribulation." We, being the last generation, have been chosen for the great tribulation, the final tribulation, and it's an honor and a privilege for us to be in this hour. But only a remnant is going to survive and endure until the end to see the sign of the Son of Man. The majority of the church is going to be martyred. But in this martyrdom, there's a victory, because being faithful unto death and not denying the Lord, we are cleansed and made white, prepared for the wedding feast, and the Lord gives every one of the martyrs a crown. 
of glory. Praise God. For having gone through, for having submitted to this final cleansing. But I got news for the listeners. It is this is just my opinion. But it is my opinion. I would rather fast and pray now yes. and avoid having to go to the repentance rehabilitation workshop and be part of the company, that remnant that escapes and is found on the mountains waiting for the coming of the Lord and see the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens and be among that small company of saints who never die. Absolutely. Praise God. Who are caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds when he's on his way to the Mount of Olives. Yes. In the second coming. But that's only a remnant. That's only a small percentage. The vast majority of the saved church is, in fact, going to be martyred. But this really should not surprise us because 2,000 years ago, the majority of believers were being martyred in the Roman Empire. For the last 2,000 years, believers have died for the testimony of Jesus Christ and for the Word of God. The only thing that's unusual is it hasn't happened in the United States for 200 years. We've lived in a country of unprecedented freedom. But that freedom is being taken away right before our eyes. And most Christians are so asleep, they don't even know their freedom is being removed. But it is. And when the Iron Curtain comes down, and it's not just on the United States, it's going to be on the Western nations, and ultimately much of the world is going to fall under the reign of the Antichrist, the beast. And remember what it says in Scripture. He makes war on the saints. Yes. And he overcomes them in the flesh. But as Paul said, death, where is your sting? We don't stay dead long. So, you know, if you end up going through the repentance rehabilitation workshop process, understand that this is God's way of bringing us to total repentance and preparing us for the wedding feast. And, and yeah, it's tough. But, you know, the amazing thing is, the one thing that I can tell you about the camps, you know, having been there and done that, the people go through seven days of burning. I mean, I'm talking about mental yes. in the mind when they take your wife and your children from you. What you go through can only be described as burning. But, you know, when the Lord wants to consecrate an altar or consecrate stones to be used in his service. According to the Torah, it's those rocks are burned for seven days until they become red hot. And then on the eighth day, the water's poured out. And of course, it's an explosion steam. The anointing is poured out. And if the rock doesn't break, it's fit for service to the king. Well, the same thing happens in the camps. On the eighth day, these people have gone through the most incredible fire and repentance. You just can't even imagine it, folks. You'd have to be there. It's one of those stories. You've got to be there to understand what I'm talking about. It is the most intense fire imaginable. It burns to the core wow. of your being. But on the eighth day, you know, the Lord's so rich in his mercy. After he's brought his people to total repentance, God pours out the anointing. I mean, by the time the people are actually laying down their lives for the Lord in these camps, they're glowing. They're glowing with the glory. It, it's going to be like 
Stephen. The heavens open. You can see Jesus as they're taking your life from you. You're going to walk right Benjamin, I, had, uh, I have two grandfathers who were ministers. Uh, one is uh, about 78 years old, retired, and the other uh, passed away in the early 90s. But uh, my grandfather, who died, um, a few days before his death, he was preparing a sermon. And actually, when he died, he, he, it came suddenly. They had to rush him to the emergency room, and he died of a heart attack. But um, when they were going back to, uh, after his death and funeral, to clean out his office and so forth, uh, he had a sermon that was laying on top of his desk. And the title on the sermon was The Sifting of the Saints. And I often think back to that, and I, I think that was prophetic. Uh, I believe that's what's going on. I believe God uh, sends tribulation to sift the saints, to sift those you know, that uh, are Christian in name only from those that uh, really love Jesus. You know, I've often thought that um, you know, it's easy to read the, the New Testament and the account of the Garden of Gethsemane and you know, criticize Peter and, you know, for denying Christ three times. And you know, it says all the disciples fled. And I was thinking, you know, if, if I'm alive in the last days, which I believe we are, every one of us will have an opportunity to be in that same situation and uh, stand up for Christ or to deny him. And uh, we need to prepare ourselves that if that is what God uh, chooses for us to put us into those camps, um, it'll be just be a, a short period of time and we can be with him. But uh, that's a small price to pay to, to be an attorney with Christ. Uh, the other option is unacceptable. Uh, well, well, you know, the Apostle Paul went to the camp. Yes. camp. He went to Camp Rome. Okay, yes. You're going to go to Camp Fed if you go to the U.S. one. Peter went. Yes. All the disciples went. John went, too, if you remember. Yes. And they tried to boil him in oil, but he didn't die. It doesn't no, say he didn't get burned. It just says he didn't die. So, you know, the Apostle John, who God preserved... It's entirely possible that he suffered the the sifting of being boiled yes. in oil, but not being allowed to die. Well, folks, and, I want to say out to, out well, to the know, listeners so out there. We have this modern-day version of Christianity in America that's so yes. full of nonsense. You know, and as Jesus said, tell them this, the church in America has been deceived. The Lord said that, folks. So, you know, you either receive it or reject it. That's your choice, but that is a, that's a true quote. Jesus Christ in fact said that, and I'm not making up. I am a true witness. I do not add a single word to the things the Lord said to me, nor do I subtract a word. I'm actually a descendant of uh, Baruch, the scribe of Jeremiah, and it's been the ministry of my family for thousands of years to provide a true witness to the prophetic word of the God of Israel. And I'm following in the family business of being a scribe to the prophets of Israel. The Lord has granted me the great privilege of being a scribe to the prophet Jesus Christ. And I've written down things Jesus Christ said, and I've written them accurately. I'm a very skilled person in terms of my academic training. The Lord didn't pick some guy who dropped out of high school. He picked a guy who 
has the appropriate academic credentials and training to do this job correctly, and I've done it correctly, and I can tell you exactly what Jesus Christ said. And Jesus said, tell them this. Tell them the church in America has been deceived. We've been deceived. We think we can hold on to our sin. We think we can live in compromise. We think we can negotiate this issue of holiness. And we think we have a sin and get out of jail card free called grace. And every one of those ideas came right out of hell. Those are doctrines of demons, and they've been taught to the church, and they are widely believed by the church, and they're not from the Lord, and they're not from the Father. And the events of the next two years will prove the truth of the Scripture. But the Lord is so rich in his mercy that he is going to save his people from their sin. What is going to surprise most American Christians is that the Lord is willing to go to any length to do it. And that includes using a blowtorch and a wire brush, which is a pretty good picture of what the persecution of the saints is going to look like. Benjamin, I'll tell you the truth. When I heard what was coming, it scared me to death. I said, dear God, I don't want to go to the camps. What can I do to be saved? And I'll I'll tell you something. The Lord has been speaking to my heart that... uh, there are some that are going to endure till the end, just as the, as the Scripture says. And our best chance to be accounted worthy to escape these things, to escape the camps, escape the sword, is to repent of our sin now, yep. judge ourselves now, and surrender 100% to the Lord and ask God, God, what would you have me to do? And get involved in some active ministry. Right. Who is God likely to save? Those that are out there, Helping the widows, the orphans, blessing Israel, preaching the gospel, laying hands on the sick, uh, delivering the captive, that are engaged in ministry that God would continue to use in these dark days, or those that uh, say, well, you know what, I don't have time. I I did God a service this week. I did go to church. Uh, You know, I went over to the fundraiser. Um, That's all that I can do for the Lord. It comes down to whether you're doing the will of the Father. And, you know, the Scripture is very clear. Whosoever leads into captivity, he must go into captivity. This is in the book of Revelation. Now, what does it mean to lead into captivity? Well, I've, I've searched this out carefully and prayerfully, and I can tell you this. It's your lifestyle. If your lifestyle and the example that you are setting by your life for the people that are around you. If people follow you in the example of how you live, if they're being led into captivity by following your example, then you are going to captivity. I guarantee it. The Word of God declares it, and there's no way you can avoid it. So how do you get out of it? You cannot lead others into captivity by your example. Well, what does it mean? Any sin brings you into captivity to sin. Any idolatry brings you into captivity to idolatry. So if in your lifestyle you've got any sin or idolatry, that by example you are leading others into the similar captivity of sin and idolatry, you just punched your ticket to Camp Fed. 
God. So how do you get out of the captivity of sin and idolatry? By prayer and fasting, by turning off the TV, shoot the television if you have to. I mean, if you're watching the filth that's coming out of hell that is called entertainment that's coming across in the American television into American homes today, if you're addicted to the pornography of the Internet, get rid of your Internet. If you're addicted to this wickedness that's the sewer that's spewing out all of this unholy, vile abominations that they call entertainment, then shoot your television, sell your television, get rid of your television, turn it off, separate yourself. If you're listening to secular rock and roll on a regular basis, you're you're worshiping in the wrong spirit, brother. You need to find true Christian worship. You know, there's such a thing as false worship, Omega Man. There are Christian yes. bands that are satanic, that have brought strange fire and false worship into the camp. So, Brother, that's the truth. of all that striper non, you know what I'm talking about, saints. You know the difference between true worship and the spirit of rebellion that comes in Jesus' name? I don't have to tell you. You guys have discernment. And, yeah, we're all in... We're in a fix here. We all need to be fasting and praying. There's very little time left before this all begins. I would ask our listeners, um, please pray for, remember me, remember Omega Man in your prayers. You know, those of us that are walking point, you know, that are that are lifting up the standard of truth in this hour, you know, we all need to be praying for each other. But, you know, at the same time, don't, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. This, this battle is the Lord's. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God is merely telling the world and telling his people the kingdom of sin is ending. And sin is going to be purged out of my camp, says the Lord. And the sinner will be purged out of my presence. And God in his mercy is going to send successive waves of judgment and tribulation upon the earth to make that point emphatically clear over the next ten years, in which time Jesus Christ will most likely have returned. And, you know, at some point we wake up and we get it, and we go, oh, God's serious about this thing about sin. God is really serious about sin. Look what God did to Jesus because of our sin. You think God wants us continuing in the same sin that Jesus had to be slaughtered over? Oh, no. He's made a way for us to escape the bondage of sin. But if we won't repent at the hearing of his word, and we won't turn by the wooing of his spirit, we leave the Lord no other choice. He brings the fire. And even that, God brings his mercy. So, you know, I would tell everybody, don't be afraid, but learn the fear of the Lord. Don't fear what yes. to you. You know, this is not the men. This is not the day of the Antichrist or the day of the New World Order. Or You know, these cockroaches are going to run and hide in the dark when the light comes on. They don't have the power. Jesus Christ is in control. They're nothing more than an instrument in his hand. 
And God is merely demanding that his people repent. And if you truly belong to him and you've been called to his kingdom, if you won't do the work yourself that he's ordered us, and go check out the book of Joel and some of the other prophets, God has commanded prayer and fasting in this hour for this generation. If you're not doing it, you're in disobedience. Okay? People, it's time to sell out to Christ. There is no other way, or you're going to have a one-way ticket to Camp FEMA. Uh, Brother Baruch, we have about two minutes remaining. Would you give out your website again and tell our listeners how they can get a hold of your book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand? Yeah, it's BenjaminBaruch.com. The book is on uh, Amazon, so if you just Google The Day of the Lord, or not Google, if you go to Amazon and you just do a search for The Day of the Lord is at Hand, or you can do uh, Benjamin Baruch, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N, Benjamin Baruch, B-A-R-U-C-H. Um, you can find it on Amazon, and the copyright's waived. You know, you feel free to make a zillion copies if you're so inclined. Um, I only ask that people copy entire chapters so nothing gets taken out of context. And I think um, there's some video that's online. My, I did a video yes. back when I did the book tour. And, you know, I would just encourage everybody, you know, this is real, okay? The fact that this incident in the Gulf has happened, you know, that that's proof positive that it's now. There's about a thousand other pieces of evidence. But, you know, friends, saints, the day has come. It is here now. And things are going to change. You won't recognize the world by the end of the year. You know, the new world order of the beast will come to power most likely by the end of 2012. We'll be in the final three-and-a-half-year tribulation, probably by March of 2016. But for the United States, it's going to be judged before the new world order comes to power because it's out of the ashes of the current world order that the phoenix... Like a phoenix, the new world order of the beast comes to power, which is the ashes of America. I mean, it says in the scripture, they shall eat her flesh and then burn her with fire. Well, the eating of the flesh was the bailout plan, and the burning of the American cities with fire is what's, what's ahead of us. And so this is very serious. People ought to take heed. Well, Benjamin, I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on tonight's show. I want to encourage all those that are listening to uh, get a hold of this podcast, send it to your friends. Uh, You must get a copy of The Day of the Lord is at Hand. Fantastic book. Uh, It was God-inspired. Go to BenjaminBrook.com. I apologize that we ran out of time to bring on some listeners, but uh, Benjamin, would you uh, come back on the show again? Yeah, and could I make one final comment? Yes. People that are listening and you're in such deep financial stress that you cannot afford to even buy a book and you'd still like to read this book, then um, you know, send a Mega Man an email or send me a letter, explain your situation, and I'm happy to give this book away for free. But, you know, not everybody can have a free copy because I can't afford $100,000 in postage just to send a book to the church at large for free. But for people that are in serious distress, I had an eight-year-old boy who wrote me, and he heard me on the radio, and he said, you know, my dad's an alcoholic. He lost his job. We live out of the car. I heard you on the radio. I know it's true. I can't ask my dad for any money or he'll beat me up. Can I get your book? Well, wow. I'm sure the dad was, like, really surprised. Why is something coming priority mail to my eight-year-old son? But no, of course, we send a book for free to, to anyone in need. 